Hey there, welcome to the Simple Podcast here, and uh, happy Father's Day, by the way. Um, for all you dads out there, hopefully you're enjoying some family time. Uh, I know I will be, you know, I am uh, I am a dad and uh, love spending time with my daughter, so uh, happy Father's Day to everybody out there, and you know, we've got, uh, we've got a great uh, show planned for you today. Um, just so you know, um, two guests in the studio, not at the same time. I've got Dave Butler. You know him as my mortgage specialist, always keeping us up to date on what is going on in the world of finance. And then a little bit later on in the hour, I've got a real, uh, really uh, fabulous friend of mine. Um, I haven't had him in the studio. I've got Greg Gilmore joining me. Uh, Greg is one of the founders of Remax in Canada, and um, you know, multiple uh, Remax owner. And just uh, you know, I'm looking forward to having him on air with me and and joining me here in the studio. So lots going on in the world, as we all know. Uh, I'm pretty sure a few of you have been uh, catching my rants. If you haven't, you know, make sure you're following me on Instagram, the Simple Investor One. And uh, fortunately, my producers Aiden and Omar are keeping it real every single week for me. But you know, this is this is the important time right now when we're going through some really, really weird, screwed up times when it comes down to things such as oh, I don't know, the Bank of Canada, you know, really, you know, slapping us around. Um, markets, perception of markets. You know, you've got all sorts of things, and it's not just here in Canada. Uh, you know, there's stuff coming through on the U.S. Fed. So. You know, as much as I love to talk about this stuff, um, not that I always want to hear my own voice. I'd rather go to, you know, the person that I count on the most. When we start talking to, about financing, we've got Dave Butler uh, in the studio. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Great having you back as usual. And I know you're going to be back next week with Tim Sirianos, Real Estate Talk Triangle, you know, as we always kind of wrap up the month in, in the world. Um, but, you know, I, I really wanted to get you on um, because... Obviously, the big uh, big announcement from the U.S. Fed. I need to know what your take on that. But more importantly, you know, Bank of Canada bumping another quarter point. You and I have had this conversation. You know, uh, my my rant, which you, you you picked up on. You know, they told everybody to go borrow a whole whack of money, and now they're punishing them for it. Yeah, I mean, um, what an interesting situation to be doing 1% increases, three quarter percent of your half a point at saying that you're using it, you know, you're doing this to attack inflation and then pausing. And then just all of a sudden out of the blue doing a quarter point raise in June. Well, timing wise, that seems, you know, what did we just have coming up? What were we reading and seeing all over the news the last couple of months? Oh my God, real estate prices may have bottomed out, right? We're seeing increases in real estate. It was very, very, very peculiar to me that with interest rates at the pace that they are, and you've got housing prices picking up, very peculiar that all of a sudden the Bank of Canada would just do a 25% raise. Is that going to do much to inflation? No, but guess what that is going to do? It could potentially put the dagger in a lot of people's hopes that rates are going to come down soon and take a lot of wind out of the sails of the housing market. I really do believe that that's what TIFF is doing. I think the headlines, I think if you're... Tiff Macklem, and you are looking at housing prices appearing to bottom and going up, what was it, 8% in one month or something like that? Yep. That for him and his job is literally the worst thing that can happen. So, what does he do? I think this is just literally, I think it's a media play. I think it's he sees the headlines, and I think that's it. Because, and if they do another quarter point in July, what is that? Let's be realistic. What is that doing to inflation, especially considering we've got very big months of disinflation coming up that we also just saw 
with the U.S. with their most recent CPI print. And we've got the Canadian CPI print coming June 27th, not too far from now. So Yeah. So, you know, just um, to help our listeners out a little. So when, when they talk about inflation, you know, they put a target out there and they keep saying 2%. You know, my, my, my struggle with this is that they are so one-sided and I would say short-sighted on this one. And, you know, I, I, I've, you know, done everything I can to kind of, you know, wake them up. But, <laughs> you know, when we talk about the big picture here, 2% inflationary, where does that number come from? Because you and I both know that if we take a look historically over the last 50 years, it's not 2%. Like they, they are trying to achieve something that I think in this world economy is not realistic. And despite the fact that, you know, they're, they're, they're desperately trying to say, say, see, I told you we could do it, but at what damage to the Canadian public is this going to happen? Yeah. I mean, look that, you know, this, this 2% target that they have, um, you know, was all pre pandemic. I mean, we, we hadn't experienced a pandemic obviously in, in, in our world for what, almost a hundred years or something like that. So, you know, um, I agree with you. I think that post pandemic with the amount of money that was thrown into the system with the reckless abandon that, that was used, I think it's, you know, and I think the markets are clearly starting to price in that getting to the 2% inflation target is going to be very hard as you're, as you're stating. And it makes sense to me when you think about it, certainly we all have this hope that inflation will go back to 2% because that's what they say the target is. And that's what will get interest rates likely moving in the direction that we as Canadians want to help for the affordability. But the truth is, you know, excuse me, if you read, you talk to, you know, you see other economists post. The idea of a of a of a of a three percent potential inflation target moving forward might be something that these central banks need to look at. What does that mean for interest rates? Well, it certainly means it's going to be a lot harder to see those low interest rates with a two in front of it, or maybe even a three in front of it. But um, I think that's what the market is starting to price in. Because let's be realistic: we saw massive CPI inflation uh, print in our favor out in the U.S. We're expecting the same here in Canada for, on June 27th. The markets, the bond yields are not taking that with much interest. If anything, the bond yields are going up. So very interesting that you're getting inflation coming down at a rapid pace, but you're seeing the bond yields staying elevated. That tells me that potentially things like this might be getting priced in. I think a lot of this is going to, we're, we're going to know by the end of the year what's going on, but I think we're also right now in probably the most volatile situation in terms of a tug of war between inflation and interest rates. So, you know, we're being very reactive right now. And, you know, a lot of times we use me different measuring tapes. You know, today we're using a day-to-day, -day, right? And when people are buying real estate, they use a day-to-day -day measuring tape, which isn't always fair because you can have markets, you know, you can have a neighborhood spike where like the perfect property comes up, 30 buyers, multiple offers, and all of a sudden, boom, right? Everybody goes, oh, it went $300,000 over asking price. Now, is that indicative of the entire market? No. And I think that that's the problem with the measuring tape being so small yep. that if it, the only thing, so if the Bank of Canada turns around and let's say that, you know, uh, you know, we can price in or assume there's a number that we're going to see come down, right? Um, in the, in the, uh, the inflation, the inflation. So what if it's, you know, 0.2 less than what they anticipate? Does that mean they're going to jump all over us in July saying it didn't come down as much as we wanted? But again, do you see, see the problem? Like, yep. you know, instead of letting, letting, you know, give it six months, 
you know, this is this is the thing. We're we're still not seeing the full effect of what they've done with the interest rate increases. Yeah, we're seeing again for probably the first time. I think I mentioned this maybe on the last show that we talked about for the first time in my twenty years as a as a broker. You're seeing um, interest rates and bond yields moving with headlines, and that's not normal. You you and I've, I mean. How many how many headlines have there been regarding all kinds of things, housing market related, and you would see the needle move with respect to the bond yields and, and the central banks? You're it's 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 void, you know. So things are you know when you see inflate, everyone's talking about inflation. Who's not like your neighbors are talking about inflation? They you know half of them don't even know really what it means, right? So it's a headline now, and so you're gonna see massive volatility in my opinion, but. Um, look, I, I, I think before the calm, there will be this storm. I still think we're in a bit of the storm. I don't think we've really left it, but I think we're getting there. And I think you're still going to have a lot of these naysayers still saying inflation is not where it's going. But the truth is, look at the charts, look at the trend. It's on its way down. Let's let this play out. So Tiff Macklin, head of the Bank of Canada, um, when we when we talk about the Bank of Canada, you know, you and I both know that you know a whole whack of money went out in 2020, 21. Um, you know, they encouraged people to go out, take debt. They said it was going to be free for a long, long time. They did. Didn't didn't happen. Um, extra money kicking around for everybody, right? And to the point where, you know, they finally said, "Go spend money, put it back in the economy. We need people." Like they actually came out with a statement that said, "You know, Canada Canadians have never had more savings, right? Because yeah. look, you're locked down. You're not going to go out. You're not doing certain things. You're not going on vacations. You're not doing this. You're not doing that." So everybody had all this money. Now they turn around and they see that, you know, despite their best efforts, the resiliency of real estate is something that they just, I, I feel like they just can't accept. Yeah. Like, you know, there's this acceptance in the marketplace that, you know, people are saying, you know, when, and, you know, you have a quarter point increase and yeah, you still see houses selling. And I think it's almost to the point where they, they, they're desperately saying, no, we need to control the real estate market. I think that should be a different segment of the of the actual spreadsheet. Uh, yeah, because to be fair, you know, uh, <laughs> these central bankers, you know, we should be able to trust them. Um, you know, the, that that's that's their role. You know, to be able to provide Canadians with an outlook, make sure that interest rates are at a point where Canadians can afford their bills, things like that. Um, you know, can we trust them moving forward? And to your point, Tiff told people in 2020 and 2021 to almost aggressively spend. I mean, it was still one of the most outlandish statements I think central bankers have ever made saying, go and go and spend. If you own a business, invest. You know, if you want to buy a home, buy it. Interest rates are going to be very, very low for a long time. He also said in inflation was going to be transitory. You know, so can we trust these people? And then you're seeing Jerome Powell, the U.S. of the U.S. Fed saying the other day, now finally after saying meeting after meeting, rate, rate drops are not anywhere you know in their in their in their future thoughts now just the other day saying well yeah actually we will have to lower rates at some point that's how this goes this is a rate hiking cycle it will end and we will have to then lower rates and now he's saying well that may happen in a couple years well can we believe them will that happen maybe next year you know it's 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 i believe understanding and believing these people is, is two different things now. Yeah. So the unknown remains unknown. <laughs> but the one thing that I do know is that uh, we got to go to a quick break and I'm going to come back more with Dave Butler, of course, my, my main mortgage guy. 
And uh, by the way, if you're a realtor, you want to be part of the show, guess what you can do? Follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor one DM us, tell us that you're a pro and tell us why you should be on the show. And we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Uh, if you're just tuning in, this is the Simple Podcast in our Simple Podcast studio. Simply Real Estate, always heard here on the iHeart Network. Um, by the way, uh, in the studio right now with me, Dave Butler, um, you know, I just call him a premier, uh, you know, mortgage specialist, knows everything about it, been in the business for a very, very long time. And most importantly, just before the break, we're having a great conversation about, um, you know, our our favorite you know, a uh, punching bag on Bank of Canada. Um, I, I don't know if they're the punch bag or we are. I think we are right now, Dave. <laughs> I would agree with you. <laughs> yeah, they're taking their shots, that's for sure. But um, so let's let's talk about the U.S. Fed. So this past week, they decided to freeze. And, you know, it's interesting because the week before, Bank of Canada goes, increases by a quarter point, And all of a sudden, the U.S. Fed freezes. So, you know, does that send a message to the Bank of Canada? Um, you know, I it's... Yeah, it's it's a great question. I mean, I I think the Bank of Canada seems to be doing its own thing regardless. You know what I mean? We, they probably, you know, this quarter percent raise actually, if you think about it, makes no sense from the standpoint that the U.S. was continuing to raise when Canada had, had paused. And this was actually causing pressure on our dollar. And they knew this. And so it's just funny to me that, you know, two months, at, you know, after you've froze for two, for two meetings, now you're going to go raise it a quarter point, um, saying it's a, a fight against inflation. Well, you, our dollar didn't have to suffer for those, you know, months while you were not in step with the U.S. And now, of course, the U.S. has paused and then you look like you're about to raise again in July. So it's just, you know, generally speaking, as most of your listeners are, and maybe if they don't know, is that we generally want to move in step with the U.S. with their raises and deductions because that has a that major effect on our currency. Um, so when central banks don't, it usually, you know, if, if the Canadian central bank is not going to move in step with the U.S. central bank, then that means hopefully they know something the U.S. doesn't. In this case, I think we can agree they didn't. They thought they did, <laughs> um, but they didn't. And so now they're having to backtrack you know it, it, i think it looks worse on tiff and i think it's just part of the myriad of terrible decisions that have been made over his term because why would you pause for two meetings and then increase again like it actually like it at least in the u.s they did 15 straight increases now they've paused we'll see you know i i would suspect that once jerome finally does pause jerome powell in the u.s finally does an official pause pause I don't think you'll see him all of a sudden just hiking out of the blue, even though inflation is continuing to come down, which here in Canada, that's what we did, sadly. Yeah, he uh, he woke up on the wrong side of the bank account that day. Um, yeah, and you know, here's here's the thing. So, you know, um, previously, Stephen Pelos, okay, he didn't go in lockstep with the U.S. If you remember, yeah. and, and, like he kept it locked down, you know, taking a look at the Canadian economy, realizing how much of Canadians' wealth actually sits in real estate. Yep. And, you know, that number escalated quite a bit in 2021, 2022. And this is this is where, again, you know, I can't just pick on the person. Obviously, you know, it's, it's his entire, you know, team um, right now. But, you know, it almost feels like there's a disconnect, that they have a point to prove. And as people in real estate, you know, if it's a homeowner, a real estate investor, you know it's almost like they're saying don't okay and yet what we have to realize and and you and i can talk about this in length is that you know we've got very very low supply okay we've got more people immigrating 
into the country. And, you know, we're in a staggering position where we've never been where we are today. Now, you can say that historically every single day, you know, like there's never been a day like today. You're right. And tomorrow, um, you know, there's never going to be a day like tomorrow. But when we take a look historically at the numbers, at the at what we've seen, not just interest rates, but economy, you know, um, everything about it, we've never been in this place where there is such a demand and it's not artificial. It is based on bodies, yep. right? Like you, you, you're, you're trying to get people to come to Canada and yet you, you have no place for them to live. Look, you got two major economic issues right now and raising interest rates is actually only dealing with one of them. And the way to deal with the other one is to actually lower rates. So they're in a really, you know, they're, they're in a tough spot. Um, you know, it's almost like a pick your poison type situation. And what's so terrible about using that wording for this scenario is that a pick your poison, there's human beings on the other end of here, right? There's human beings on the other end of these decisions that they're making. Uh, you know, pick your poison like, oh, do I jump off the monkey bars or do I take the slide down? You know, eh, not that bad of a you know decision. This one, his decisions are tough in the sense of one is going, you know, no matter what, you're going to be hurting one segment of the population. And I think, yeah, they're, they're in a rock and a hard, they're, they're in between a rock and a hard place. I mean, you've, you've, we, you, we, you, Tim, myself, like we've all talked about the supply issue. There's clearly nothing being done about it that you and I can see. They're attacking the interest rate issue trying to get inflation under control, but they're, they're causing a, a problem while they're working on the one problem. They continually are causing a problem. I would say this, it would make a heck of a lot more sense to me that if you were in this economic problem with regards to inflation, why wouldn't you slow down immigration to try to allow some type of balance to come in the housing market as opposed to continually bringing people into this country, which I'm not opposed to, but we're in a situation right now in Canada where by doing that, it's actually affecting other Canadians. So you're effectively bringing in people into the country, which is supposed to help other Canadians, but it's currently hurting them right now. Yeah. And they're putting, you know, they're putting a lot of stress on uh, all the infrastructure yeah. at the same time. Because again, you know, as we talk about the pendulum swing of the government, it doesn't matter what governing body, like we can do start at the municipal level, we can, you know, city level, we can start talking about provincial level and then federal level, you know, there's nobody. And, and, and I'm sorry for all of you candidates out there for being, wanting to be the mayor of Toronto, not one of you have come up with a solution. There isn't one, one person that I can get behind that has thrown out the housing number. And it seems like this, this is a big part of what everybody's making a promise. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to make housing affordable. How? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. How, how about what is that? Yeah. Okay. You know, like my real question is what's affordable? Yeah. You know, nobody can answer that. And, and when they, when they turn around and say, well, we're going to subsidize this family. Okay. What, but what about that family? You know, do you know what I mean? And, yep. and, and the problem with these interest rate increases that there was a whole bunch of people in 2020 and 2021 bought new family homes. Yep. Okay. And now you're sitting there squeezing them after telling them to go do it. Now you're up, up having an upheaval in families, you know, we're so, seeing it. We're seeing it every day. We get, like, we get phone calls, you know, it, it is sad. I mean, uh, Generally speaking, if you speak to someone that bought in the back half of 2020 and then anytime in 2021, and of course, even in the, you know, those crazy peak months in 2022, I don't think any of them, other than if they take a fixed rate, I don't think any of them are, um, very happy, very happy. <laughs> and, and to be fair though, why would they be? Because when they went and they got that mortgage, 
that would have been right around the time that TIFF had told everyone to rates are going to, you know, rates are going to stay low for a long, long time. Why wouldn't you take a variable if the person in charge of interest rates in our country is telling you to do this? So, yeah, I mean, uh, irresponsible, I think is what I've said before. I think that was the most irresponsible statement a central bankers ever made in the history that I've been in alive. And I'll continue to say that, you know, because that was, that was erroneous. There was like, I know people, and I've talked about this on the show, people that run businesses that listened to him, went and invested in their business, and now interest rates are up. And those loans that they took out to invest in their business are now have double the payments they did. And guess what? They're not that happy with Tiff and his remarks. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's not too many people happy about <laughs> what's going on. Um, so Dave, uh, just to kind of wrap things up. So people are out there still buying. Um, you know, I would I would say that one of the things I think everybody should do is when you're talking to your bank, negotiate. Yep. Is there a room, is there a wiggle room? Like, are, you know, we see the posts, but is there wiggle room when somebody's looking at an interest rate? Yeah, look, I mean, it's, I can tell you right now, each bank is different right now. Each bank is handling this particular period of time differently. I can tell you without obviously naming them. I mean, if people want to call me, I can discuss it a bit more, but publicly I can tell you that there are some Schedule A banks here in Canada that have just point blank said, we're not interested in in really mortgage business unless it's at the rate that we're able to put it out at. So you've got some banks that are just not budging on their rates. And I think it'll be evident over time who those are. Um, and I think there are other banks that clearly did not get themselves tied up very much with the government assistance during COVID. And they their balance sheet are allowing them to continually lend in the mortgage side. And uh, again, you I think the next couple quarters of releases uh, that these banks do, it'll be evident as to which ones we're playing and which one. And if you have renewals with some of the banks that I'm talking about, you already know who those banks are. So y yes, uh, to answer the question, there are banks right now that are willing to do deals. There are also some other banks right now that are just not. And I can tell you, we have moved from one particular bank we are almost on every month at least five to ten new renewal like renewals where the clients are being offered a particular rate from that one bank the rate is definitely not in my opinion anywhere close to market and we are moving them to the other bank that is offering the discount so yes there, there's this is a time right now i would say previous to this 2020 2021 everyone was kind of the same because it was craziness it was madness money was flowing money's tight right now with some of these banks. And so if you know, as a broker or as a customer, if you know how to squeeze that extra discount out, you can find it. Excellent. Well, listen, Dave, always a pleasure having you on the show as usual. Looking forward to having you for the Real Estate Talk Triangle next week. Hey folks, stay put. When I come back, I've got Greg Gilmore joining me here in studio. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, uh, I have a real special guest joining me here in studio. I'm, I'm thrilled to say that uh, I finally was able to get him here, you know, give him a full tour of our new facility. Uh, he's a close friend of mine. He is also what, uh, somebody I would consider my mentor, uh, Greg Gilmore, uh, one of the founders of Remax here in Canada, of course, and owner of multiple uh, Remax franchises as well with well over 600 realtors working with them. Greg, uh, thanks so much for joining me today in the studio. Oh, thank you, Todd. I'm, I'm totally impressed in what you've done here. Uh, it's just one of the most impressive offices, studios I've seen ever. Wow, thank you. That 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 comes as high praise. So, Greg, let's uh, let's let's dig right into it. You know, um, you have 
uh, been in the real estate industry, I know the backstory. Maybe tell our listeners a little bit about the backstory because, I mean, you started, you were you were super young when you first became a realtor. Oh, yeah. 21 years old. Um, you know, my, my mom had been on welfare and I went from job to job. I didn't think I could go to university. So I just went straight into the workforce and then I, I just uh, went from job to job until I fell into the real estate business. And, and so it was, uh, once I got to the real estate business, it was just like, oh, this is for me. And I excelled and did really, really well. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, the, the, the story of Remax, I mean, you actually, um, with, uh, with a, a couple other partners went down to Denver, Colorado, um, you know, to say, to see Dave Linegar and this is at the time. Remax wasn't doing so well in the, you know, what was it, 1980, 80, early 80s? Uh, well, that was probably um, late 79. Right. Uh, we had, you know, extremely high interest rates. Uh, the market was absolutely awful uh, and prices were falling. Uh, and and um, we went down uh, in, I want to say the late 70s and to meet Linegar and he wasn't there. Uh, so, so we got the tour of Remax and, uh, when I got there, I started tel telephone canvassing Remax agents and they all loved the company and they loved the concept and, and I loved the concept cause I was one of the top salespeople in, in Polzer real estate at the time, um, owned by Frank Polzer and, uh, and, and we, um, uh, we decided that we really liked the concept and, but, um, you know, when we got back to Mississauga, Frank wrote a nasty letter to Linegar saying, you know, we flew all the way down. Uh, he didn't have the courtesy to even be there. And then next thing you know, Linegar flew up to see us and, uh, we ended up, uh, you know, buying the franchise and, and it opened in February, uh, 1980. Wow. You know, and, and it's just been incredible since, you know, you, uh, Greg, you touched on something, um, and, and, you know, obviously we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the history of, of your company, but, um, you know, high interest rates and in the 1970s, when what's a high interest rate, Greg, in 1970s, 19, in the 1970s, I think when I started in the business, I, the rates were about, about 10%, uh, and then they went to 24% with first mortgages were 24%. Uh, and, and, and so there was lots of people, uh, losing their houses, uh, because of they, they couldn't afford the payments anymore. They went from 10 to 24. Uh, but there was also, um, people who saw the prices come down and realized that, uh, uh, this was their opportunity to get into the market because the prices were lower. So if they had a substantial down payment, it worked. Um, but back then we also, um, in order to make houses attractive, uh, we, did a thing that they, which you don't see very much today, uh, but we bought down the interest rates. So, uh, to make them affordable for a few years, uh, so the seller would subsidize the mortgage and, and, and therefore making the payments, uh, more affordable for the buyer. Yeah. You know, that's actually, you know, I, I love that point. Um, you know, we've, we've done something like that here at the simple investor because we know interest rates won't stay where they're going to. And, you know, we help people out a little bit with an interest rate, which does make a lot of sense, you know, and again, you're right. It, it's not something you hear in the market today. 
And one of the reasons why I wanted you to touch on that was, of course, you know, you've been through so many markets, the ups and downs, you know, you were through obviously the seventies, you were through the eighties, you know, 1988, 89, um, you know, obviously big adjustment in the real estate market took years to, to recover. How do you look at today? What do you see this market doing? So our interest rates like 4.75, you know, um, you know, maybe you get something that's around 5% for a longer term for a mortgage. Uh, it's a bargain to me. I mean, uh, I can remember when I, uh, you know, bought uh, my Mill Creek property. I built it and what I, I hated being a uh, land. I hated being like paying the landlord. Yeah. I, I wanted to have ownership. So I was, uh, I was borrowing money at like, you know, 18 percent uh and and it's uh funny because the interest rates started falling and i locked in at 11 and a quarter for 10 years <laughs> and the interest rates kept falling uh but I, what happened is i had fixed my monthly payments to something i could afford yep. and and that was uh you know that back then it was like you know a large mortgage probably a million eight in that range uh but by accident, I ended up paying the building off and boring back on it to buy another building. And uh, uh, I'm a big believer of you got to own more than one piece of real estate. And I have um, I've made a lot of people millionaires uh, simply by encouraging them to buy investment properties, houses, uh, and rent them out and let somebody else pay the mortgage down for them. Exactly what you're doing is uh, in, in your, in, with the Simple Investor. It's brilliant, it works, and, and uh, with you doing all the management, it just, it just makes it so simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that, Greg. You know, and, and you know, one, one of the things I can, can tell, tell the audience for sure is the fact that, you know, I, I, when I got into real estate, you were the one who encouraged me, um, hired me, actually. You personally were the one that I met with and got hired into your office, the office that you worked out of, because yep. you had multiple offices at the time. I came in and and I remember, you know, one of the things I remembered um, when I first started, you uh, you had said to me, because I, at the time, you know, I was just trying to save up enough money so I could start my marketing campaign. You said, so are you, are you going to get busy? Are you going to start, you know, doing what I think you're going to do? And, you know, 10, 10 months into it, I sold 29 houses in 10 months. And I just remember, you know, part of what you were encouraging me to do. And, and, you know, this is one of the things that here on my show, I always talk to, um, the, you know, the real estate, uh, network out there and realtors. And, you know, one thing I can tell you is having a broker owner like Greg Gilmore, um, I can tell you, he will encourage you all day long to go full time, but the professionalism that you need to carry in this industry is absolutely monumental. And that was one of the things I took away right out of the gate was this is a business. You need to be professional. You need to be full time and that's how you're going to succeed. Absolutely. You know, it's like, uh, today I keep, uh, I, I, I spoke to a young fellow who was just joining and, and, and I'm going to sit down with him, but I talk to people all the time about, um, you know, before you leave the house, take a look in the mirror. Uh, and say, now, if somebody calls me uh, today, am I dressed professionally enough to list a million-dollar house and to talk about, to talk about a million-dollar house? And if you're not, go around and change. 
uh, I, I, the first several years in the real estate business, probably the first like 15 to 20 years in the real estate business, I wore a jacket and tie. Yeah. Uh, and I never left the house without a jacket and tie. Because uh, you only have one chance to make a good first impression. Yeah. No, and that, you know what, Greg, that, that that's a, a very, very good point. And, um, you know, one of the things that I always believed, obviously, when, when working with you, I didn't wear the jacket and tie, but I always made sure that it was a consistent, you know, I had the mock neck turtleneck, black dress pants, never deviated. I think I still have the same costume today. <laughs> Most people look at me and say, do you have anything other than black? And I say, no, you know what? It's been who I am. Everybody expects it knows it and that's how it works so folks we're going to go to a quick break i'm going to have greg gilmore stay put uh and definitely have uh more of a conversation with him about the real estate market we're going to talk about interest rates when we come back of course that dreaded bank of canada what are they going to do to us uh if you're not following me on instagram make sure you do go to the simple investor one and remember we've got our feature of the month we feature a top professional realtor if you want to be featured here on the show Make sure you DM us and my producers will get back to you and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. My guest here in the studio with me right now, uh, my friend, my mentor, I've got Greg Gilmore with me. Greg is the broker owner of multiple Remax offices. Uh, he's got more than 600 agents working with him. And, and again, you know, um, pretty sure you recognize the name, especially if you're in the West GTA area. Greg, just before the break, um, we were talking about interest rates and, and, you know, there's a lot of people who will sit there and say, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, um, I think, I think the, the huge incentive that the bank of Canada put into place at, when COVID hit, I think it, as much as it was a positive, I think it's a detriment to certain people. Cause now the expectation is everybody should get a 2% mortgage where you and I both know 4%, you know, and, and, and it'll probably, it's going to come down it's going to come down probably to about that kind of, you know, 3.5 to 4% once, you know, inflation's in control and everything else. But I think that that's kind of what people should set the expectation for. Forget about this one and a half, 2%, like that, that was an anomaly. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I don't think you can count on coming to coming down much more than to 4%. Uh, and you know what? A 4% interest rate, 4.5%, 5%, it's healthy for um, the economy. It's it's actually healthy for retirees, you know, when they're getting 1% and 2% on their, like giving 1% and 2% mortgage, the investors are getting like a half a percent. So people who, you know, saved up, uh, you know, their life savings and retired and figured they could in, in, invest their money and, and, and live off of it, they couldn't it was just their their principal was dwindling away so i think the interest rates are healthy and i think that they're here to stay uh i think that you might see uh them slide off um by half maybe like maybe as much as as one percent but i don't think you're going to see a prime much less than 3.75 so but now is the time to buy because I think the prices have fallen off 20%. So you're saving so much money on the amount of money you're paying for the property that the interest rate doesn't matter. Right. And, and, and basically I'm, I really encourage people to own more than one property. And so, so as long as you can make something, uh, rent to carry with the down payment that you have, uh, and, and it doesn't matter. Like yeah. let it sit there. Let the tenant pay the pay the mortgage off for you. 
You know, when you say that, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that happened to the real estate market, of course, were the speculators hopping into the market, and you know, condominium market really drove a lot of that, where people thought they'd come in, flip the flip the paper. That doesn't make them real estate investors, though. You know, I'm I'm a big um, you know advocate of your just like you said, get the tenant to pay down your mortgage. You know, you are a prime example of that. You know, you've got a lot of commercial holdings where you know, you let the tenants pay down your mortgage over the years. And you can do that just with a standard residential property as well. Here at The Simple Investor, it's one of the things we encourage. You know, flipping real estate, I think um, it's a little bit of a detriment to the marketplace because, you know, we do need, and and landlord, the word landlord has become a bad word in some people's, you know, vernacular because, you know, they think landlords are all greedy. But we need we need the mom and pop landlords in this economy. In fact, we need more mom and pop landlords in this economy. Yeah, no. Listen, I started. My goal was own ten houses, own ten houses that are rented out. And back in uh, back when I was doing that, like the house prices were a lot cheaper, the interest rates were a lot higher, uh, and and the rents were a lot lower. Uh, so I had figured that by the time, if I owned 10 houses uh, and they were all paid off by the time I was 65, I'd have like, uh, the rents then were like $1,000 a month. <laughs> and so so with a little bit of inflation, I figured I'd have, uh, you know, 10000 a month coming in. Uh, and I thought I could retire on that. And and it's it's funny because most recently I had, uh, I've, I've always encouraged my salespeople to buy buy properties, buy investment properties. And, and I was, uh, talking to, uh, one of my partners in the business and he said, uh, and we were going to buy a commercial building and he said, I'm going to sell two of my houses. And I said, Sam, you never sell real estate if it's, uh, you borrow against it. Yeah. So, uh, and, and since we, since we bought the uh, building, the building's gone up by a million dollars. And the two houses that have got have doubled in price, and so he's he's basically made you know close to two million dollars just by keeping the real estate that he already owned. Yeah, and and leverage. Buying. Yeah, yeah, leverage is it's the key element to investment real estate. Exactly. No, I talked to many people who say, "Oh, I've paid off my mortgage," and I said, "That's great, uh, but you have to borrow against it and buy other real estate." Yeah, uh, and and make that money work for you. And it's also tax deductible when you buy money to put in an in an investment. So your so your your personal mortgage on your house becomes tax deductible. Yeah, you know it's interesting because I think that you know part of the equation that people have to understand is, you know, using leverage correctly gives you much much higher returns on your invested capital. You know, so so many people they turn around. You know, I, I've had investors come to my seminars and they say, "Hey, Todd, you know what? I want to own my invest investment property cash outright." And I said, "Why would you do that?" And they said, "Well, you know, if I if if I own a five hundred thousand dollar property, and I said, yeah, but if it goes up in value, now all your income is going to be taxable." I said, "Why don't you re-leverage it? Take some money out, put it in your pocket. It's tax free, and they get your tenant to pay it back down again." And they look at that and they go, what do you mean? And I said, well, I call it leverage to live. But the aspect of it is this, is that we pay less taxes and we get our tenant to keep working for us. As soon as you turn around, you pay it off. Yeah, great. You've got an asset, but you've got so much money sitting there. Your actual return actually diminishes. It gets a lot smaller. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, uh, you're just talking my language. <laughs> you know, I, I have, um, uh, one of the first buildings I built was on Mill Creek and 
I have refinanced that uh, property several times to buy other properties. In fact, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just taking, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've increased the mortgage by about 1.7 uh, million to take the 1.7 million and, and buy other properties yeah. uh, or develop other properties, you know, and, and basically at this time uh, of my life, I don't need uh, uh, any income from my investments. Yeah. Uh, although I'm going to have to start taking some, um, but, uh, because over the years I've become, uh, I've become rich by accident <laughs> by owning enough real estate <laughs> that my real estate went up so much in value and my mortgages got paid down by the, uh, um, by the, uh, tenants yeah. and, and life is good. Yeah. You know, life is really good. <laughs> Well, that, you know what, Greg, that's, that's great to see and, and, and very encouraging. So let's talk about, uh, just quickly, um, let's talk about realtors They're, They, they find themselves in a kind of a tough spot when interest rates go up. Sometimes the market's not nearly as fruitful as it was. And it, it was a little bit crazy there for in 21, but how, how does a real, how does a realtor manage in a market like this? Uh, four letters, W O R K. <laughs> we are actually in the first normal market that I've seen in probably 20 years. Uh, when you and I started in the business, you had to, you had to really work your listing. You had to spend money on it and marketing it and advertising it and, and finding out uh, where you could find the buyers and, and then work to attract the buyers. And we figured that back in Back when we started, it took like 60 to 120 days to sell a house. Yeah. Uh, so today, or over the last, you know, several years, it people are selling a house in one day and, and not spending nearly as much money on, on the, on the, uh, marketing as, uh, as we did, yeah. uh, you know, having to, you know, prep the property to make sure the seller got the most money and then figure out, uh. You, you know, where, where we can get a buyer for it and then try and market in that area. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, today's market, uh, you have to monitor how much work you're putting into your hours and you have to be doing things to attract buyers and sellers. And it's a simple business if you just work, uh, and, and it's, so to me, I sold 77 houses my first year in real estate in a real estate market that the prices were falling and the, and the interest rates were soaring. And, but I helped a lot of people buy real estate at really good value. Yeah. And the interest rates didn't bother them. Uh, and by the time that uh, their mortgages came, uh, came due, the interest rates were down a little bit and, and the, but they'd paid the mortgages down too. So they were financing less. Uh, I always encourage people to try and take five-year mortgages, you know, back then, because we we're, if they could afford the monthly payments, uh, that they, that they knew what they had, uh, then it didn't matter if the rates went up or down over the next five years, they could afford it. Yeah. Well, Greg, thanks so much for joining me here in the studio. And I also want to thank my other guest, Dave Butler, joining me here as well. And you can catch Dave next week with me and Tim Serianos for the Real Estate Talk Triangle and, of course, I want to thank my producers. They keep it simple for me every single week. That's Aiden and Omar here in the booth. 
And of course, at head office, we've got Ian Grant. Uh, but most importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in and making us the number one real estate talk show. Also, a huge shout out to the dads. Happy Father's Day, everyone. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.